everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. It is quite the night tonight. Uh, we are launching American Scouser TV. We're obviously starting with the Monday Night Podcast, but after this, we will be recording one of our few shows, and there's a bunch lined up. Almost like every day this week, something is going to be going up. I am your host, as always, Timuchin, here in Chicago, and with us today, finally, Setting his background rights and sitting comfortably in the stadium is Bickler. I think part of the American Scouser TV should be a behind the scenes of how you set up for the show. I think that could be just show by itself every week. What's up, Bickler? Hey, man, I keep waking up. So there's something to say about that. I'm here. <laughs> yes, positives, positives. And with us. With the retro jersey, because when we both came online and we were wearing the same jersey, is Galley. Galley, what's happening? Yeah, uh, you know, you just clearly have uh, you have good taste, and I make the shirt on your back look better. So I decided to change so you could look good because that's how much I like having you in the host seat. Anyone who had to suffer through last week knows we all missed you not being in the host seat. <laughs> And it lazy takes a ass lot on vacation. to make me look good. God knows. So this jersey is only part of it. And thanks to the makeup crew out there uh, for their hard work week in and week out. Okay, gentlemen, let's get the party started with trivia, as always. Because we always have to have some kind of a downer to get things going. Okay, so this week's trivia, I'm kind of having to rehash. BJ's moving really has cramped my style because uh, I did not get any fresh trivia questions this week. But I do have one left over from last week. How many different clubs have had at least one season in the Premier League? Bickler, nothing special tonight. We start with you. How many teams have had at least one season? I think that's worded excellently. You know, I'm really glad that, like, you know, we got this YouTube TV thing going and then we just – kept the worst parts of all our old formats. Like, I think that's a good business move. I think it's good for morale. Um, it's good for my so, morale. <laughs> yeah, good for your morale. Um, <laughs> how many teams have been at least once in the Premier League? That's a great question. I actually really like this question. Um, I will probably get it massively wrong because that's what I do in trivia. Let's go... Let's go 32. Yes, you are dead wrong. Um, <laughs> did not even leave it to the contest there. Gally, what do you have for a guest? Um, not 32, which was going to be my guest. Um, so I thank you, Paul. You're uh, you're welcome, I, Gally. I'm always happy to fall on the sword. And you can go <laughs> second and look like a fucking genius. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I still look like me, and therefore there is no genius involved. I'm gonna say that uh, 20 something years of the Premier, 30 years of the Premier League, it's got to be a little bit higher. I'm gonna say 36. Yeah, Jamie's asking top flight or prem. I'm actually amazed, uh, Paul didn't squeeze in, but I think I did say prem actually. I kind of like worded this thanks to B BJ. No, yeah, that's why I just clarified Premier, like I, yes, whatever. We're, just says, get this over. Finally got one that you liked, but got it way wrong. The correct answer is 50. Wow. Dead and on. that's Premier, Premier League, not top flight. 
That hey, there you go. It is the Premier League. Good job, Hickler. Got that's shocking. But that's I I like I do like that question. I'd like that question. Hopefully, the answer is right because uh, if it's not, in, we can blame BJ. Fifty you're telling me clubs in, have at least had one season. Doesn't that seem really high, Galley? Thank it you. It can't be. It can't be. Yeah, that would mean that BJ everyone, this is wrong. I, I feel like that has to be top flight. I'm just talking out loud. To me, that seems like that would be all twenty Premier League teams now, the entire championship and half of League One. Look, that, let's kick this YouTube and, TV thing off with some severe controversy. Which yeah, I think we yeah. have. Get those clicks, baby. We'll have our producer in the background wow. who is we don't have uh, We'll have you know. double check his work. Uh, it does, <laughs> but see, Jamie says it's fair. So we'll go with 50. So that it's now. definitely wrong. Jamie says it's fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll keep this, but BJ insists it started with 22 teams. So that is a oh, good point. so those two extra teams, mm. those two extra teams. But even if wow, curveball! I didn't remember if, that. Really? Even if these clubs had one year, twenty-one year wonders. That's that's a lot of turnover. I guess I'm just looking at the fact that we've only had seven different teams come up and yeah. down in like four seasons. It seems like it's odd, but I, I will take the stat guy at his word. That in 32 years, there's been 50 different clubs represent the league. I really like That's that amazing. question, though. That's a it's great a great question, question DJ. Way to, to kick BJ. things off, people. Way to kick things off. Now, this Do me a favor. has been Move American again Sculpture and... TV. Yeah. Move again. <laughs> Send less. I'm happy with us just looking like idiots. We love it. <laughs> we should do like a Costanza and leave it on top and say, thank you, everybody, and then like, call it a show. <laughs> but nope. Way to jack things up. Okay, so I want to talk mainly today about uh, what Klopp said, because I think it will kind of take us in a lot of like a tactical conversation as well. So Klopp was asked about midfield transfers. Do we need somebody in midfield? He kind of like specifically addressed that. He lists a bunch of things, but I kind of like to save this quote where he says they can all play different positions as well, of course. Curtis can play a line higher and Harvey and Fabio can play there too. Fine. We can play a different system as well, where we might only need two midfielders. He has been listening to the podcast, people. But then all these guys can play as a number 10 in the new system. So we have been shooting this around for a long time, where we like talked about that we would probably see a lot of 4-2-3-1. Everything just seemed to make a lot more sense. Addition of Nunez, Carvalho, I mean, all the transfers coming in and the way the squad has been kind of like refreshed. I want to start, before we go to the tactical conversation and talk about the formation, I want to ask you guys, he also talked about Morton, because we kind of, when we talk about the midfield, one of the defensive midfielders we had on the roster, while he might be young and a lot of talk was about him being loaned out, was Morton. Uh, but he referred to him as doing a great job as number eight. In practices, he gave his wow uh, in the press conference. So what do you say to that, Bickler? Do you find that shocking, A, that he's playing eight, and B, his name actually comes up in this conversation, or are we just trying to increase the loan price over here? Yeah, I don't buy that. I, I, I like Morton. I, I like Morton a lot, but he's like, once I saw a picture of him with Galley, I was off that train real quick. Like, I mean, he's tiny. Like, uh, and, and I love the kid, but like, like size matters in the Premier League. And I just think like, he's going to have a lot of work to do on his body 
to consistently be in the prems. I mean, whether he fits in the six or eight, I just, I don't buy that at all. I don't buy him as fitting in a six, especially when we're doing the four, two, three, one, because it's almost like two sixes there. So we'll get to the tactical side of it. But what do you make of that, Galley? In terms of his Morton comments, like, what did you think when you heard that? Well, first off to Paul, um, just so you're clear here, Paul, it's, no matter what people are telling you, size matters in all aspects of life, even outside the Premier League. Um, just so we're clear. Way to kick this but, TV station <laughs> We're going to make sure people know. Down. Well, this is before we go on live. This is, this is still us. This is just our shitty podcast. We're not actual American Scouts or TV. Great. Oh, now I got to have a difficult conversation with my 12-year-old tomorrow. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. Hey, you know, he'll learn. Um <laughs> He's a bickler. No, uh, in all seriousness, we're going to take this one right where it belongs with Morton. That is some bullshit clop talk. I love the man, right? We all joked about the coach speak last year when we talked about Kelly's fantasy team. That is coach speak all day. Morton playing in the eight in the Premier League is a bigger joke than Morton playing as one of two holding midfielders in a 4-2-3-1. I honestly don't know that the new setup has any room for him. And if it does... He's somewhere like sixth or seventh choice just in the back two. So for me, he has to go out on loan. And if he's not going out on loan, I'm not actually sure that there is a huge market for him. And maybe that's why the manager had to come in and let everybody know exactly how much he's in love with him right now. Wait, so people can start saying, I want of some of that. As those two, by the way, like you said, six or seven. Who do you have there in terms of names? Uh, I'm sorry. Maybe he two. would be six. I, I have it's it's the first four no matter what Keda Tiago Hendo and Fabinho. I think Milner is still ahead of him in any depth chart on this team based on his experience, and I think there might even be an argument that he would try even Harvey or, and God forbid this scares me, even Jones playing in that area of the pitch rather than play Tyler Morton. The kid had. 90 amazing minutes at the San Siro in a match that really didn't matter that much. Other than that, he had a few spot starts. He looks like a young, talented kid. He looks like a kid who belongs at another club. Yeah. See, that's odd to me. In terms of like when we talk about, you know, being a bickler and size matters and all that kind of stuff, I am actually kind of slightly worried about putting, yeah, this is going to go all night, buddy. So hold on. <laughs> Buckle up. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Go to I got three kids. <laughs> so if if I mean I kind of worry about Kate. I mean if we're talking about you know uh, I'm trying to not to use the word size, but <laughs> it's just the over under on the word use size being used is probably fifty today. You know Kate's size is not that much more than Gordon. I know Gordon has like the you know Galley's fifteen year old body looking, but he's a young kid. I mean if you look at Trent's. I know like three, four years ago too, you can kind of see he's still got the body of a kid. I feel like if we're going to a 4-2-3-1, I don't even know if I trust Keita in there, to be honest with you, physically. Do you? Go ahead, Gally. Well, that's why I'm sorry, but that's why we've been all claiming that we need another midfielder or two. Because to to shift to the new formation, we need some new reinforcements in the midfield because we have too many guys who are perfect for a four, three, three. 
And if there was one complaint, right, we've had it, that we never were tactically aware, we never made many changes, and we just stuck with our 4-3-3, well, that also happened in our recruiting team and our recruiting process. So for me, I have those same questions about Kata, but can we just put to bed that Tyler Morton is ever getting a minute over Nabi Kata? Because compared to Tyler Morton, Nabi Kata looks like Hercules, and Tiago literally looks like the Hulk. And yeah, maybe that's why Tiago... But maybe that's why Tiago put on the rip that he did because he knows he's going to be asked to do a more physical job playing in the back two more often this year. And I, I just I, – I think it's all – we're going to get there to the formation, but I just don't see how Morton fits into this setup with this team right now. And it's one more reason we need to buy a midfielder before the window closes. And that's the thing. Like the way he presented it, he said, you know, like, oh, he's been playing eight. He's plays a great eight, by the way, kind of like a conversation happening – and when he was listing players beforehand for that midfield, it was all players that would probably go in the three part of the thing. Like, you know, whether it's Elliott, Jones, um, Carvalho, you know, all those guys would go in that three portion as opposed to the two portion. Um, does that even make it worse for Morton that he's trying to go for eight, by the way? Or it's just a matter of, like I say, increasing his market value, saying he can play six and he can play eight, Bickler. I don't know. This whole the whole quote today was kind of weird because like <laughs> I watch way too much crime, like true crime documentaries. I mean, this is well documented in our Discord channel. Like I have a weird agree. fascination. Like if you saw my like streaming TV list, you would probably be concerned about me. Um, but in general, like I appreciate it, but it like the, the everybody everybody knows in like homicide investigations the key thing is to get your person talking right. Get the person that you're talking to across the table talking because even if it's bullshit, you're gonna glean information from it, right? And like everybody has this like ironclad messiah like view of Klopp as like well Klopp he's a real straight shooter. He tells you how it is. No, he fucking doesn't. Like Klopp is the best at misdirection of some of any of the managers I've ever seen. And nobody should be taking any manager this time of year with the transfer window open at face value. And you got to remember that Klopp told us a couple of years ago that Allison was not even on the table as Allison was on a plane landing in John Lennon. So like he has lied to us to our face. And like when I hear him talking about this and I hear him talking about this in general, like two things stick out. The four, two, three, one hint like is is I don't know whether this has been in the plans or if his hands are forced based on his personnel, but like the four two three one basically indicates to me that Klopp is not happy with the fact that his depth for Fabinho is Henderson and Milner, and who would be if you look at our top four midfielders and we've said this before they have a combination of age and durability issues right like so like we're now bringing Morton into this equation as like. Oh, he, this is our depth. This is our, our, our depth solution. It's fucking not. No. Like, so for me, it's like, yes, this is probably just uh, an attempt to get increased value for him to loan on. But like, we have to understand that like, he's not going to like Klopp is going to come out and say, yes, I'm happy with the midfield situation. Like, what's he going to say? He's not going to come out and say, no, of course I'm not happy with our midfield depth. Why do you think we went after Chua many at 80 million pounds. Like, you know what I mean? Like if we were happy with Morton as our depth, if we were happy with Milner and Henderson as our depth, we're not going after Chua many at 80 million, which 
both agent and player have confirmed we were one of two final teams in that mix. So like, I think that it's gotta be a loan situation. And I think pretending that Morton is a long-term solution to anything right now is probably like just believing in Santa Claus. And he kind of like right towards the end of the interview with Melissa, uh, he was talking about, you know, Oh, there's still something, you know, they're still like working on some things and Melissa kind of pushed on that. And it was like, Oh, more like, you know, sealing things, not like incoming people. And yeah, I mean, he is the king. Of he also did that. He all he also does. He's really good at putting like last minute qualifiers and statements. And he was also like, "Well, you never know if we get an if something comes up at the last minute and it's a fit for us, maybe it'll work." Like, I mean, like, like, which is basically saying we're looking at other options right now. Like, right. that's what he's saying. And that's the thing. I just don't believe that you know he would change the formation based on not being able to get a player or you know one of the players that we identified. I just don't see such a radical change. I think it's part of like the evolution that they want to do as a move forward. And I think like Nunez obviously fits that a lot better as well. So let's go to the four two three one, right? So let's talk about that. I kind of want to like kind of go one at a time galley give me like the thing that excites you the most in terms of this formation like what do you like the best about it if you go pros and cons um what do you like over the, the formation itself and in terms of how it fits to the squad what is the biggest advantage for you well i'm sure this is probably going to shock you because you think i'm a hater um but the greatest advantage is is that a fit for mino gets to play because I don't believe a fit for Mino plays in the center any longer in the 4-3-3. We've been through this. We don't have to beat that horse up any longer. I think that, honestly, Nunez eventually would start over him. And I think at times Jota has proven a fit for Mino doesn't get on the pitch when Jota's scoring goals in the middle of the pitch. And that was how it was last year. So a fit Bobby gets to play in that 10-hole and do things and create in ways – that I honestly believe was the reason he was purchased to play at Liverpool. It just happened to be that Klopp turned him into the unicorn that he is and made him a false nine and kind of reinvented his career. You know, Rodgers couldn't understand how to utilize him because he didn't play with the, with the true number 10 either. I mean, that's what Bobby was at Hoffenheim was a number 10 an attacking midfielder. So for me, it's Bobby Firmino playing. The drawback is I think it puts an awful lot of pressure on the two fullbacks to defend even better. And for Henderson and or Fabinho to do an awful lot of work, whichever one is helping Trent when Trent bombs so far forward. So I think it's going to ask a lot of the wingers, uh, but I think it's going to create goals. It's going to create excitement. And I think it's going to allow us to play more uh, fluent football and utilize more of the attacking talent and have four attackers on the pitch at once. Hmm. See, I feel almost like the opposite, actually. I think this will enable knowing that we have to push up and I guess maybe because of like the, the players we have there, I think those two that are sitting in front of, you know, the four, as we see it there would more of like be a cover to have the two behind. So Robo and Trent can push up. So that would be the six attacking players. And almost you see these two guys get a bit wider to be able to cover the spaces behind because, I mean, especially for this team, and that's what I'm going to ask you, Bickler. I mean, if you have a 4-2-3-1, I'm telling you that you have to have a team that's 4-2-3-1. And so what is your building block? What 
are the most important players for you in this formation? <clears throat> I think the most important players in this formation are the holding mids in the 10. Mm -hmm. Here's what I think is interesting about this formation. If you were to put this roster in front of you right now, like this entire Liverpool roster, this is the formation I put them in. And we've talked about this. Not only the new acquisitions, but the, the attempted purchase of Chiuameni has like speaks to a 4-2-3-1. And the fact that Klopp came out and basically said that today um, did a lot of good things for my mental health because I'm like I'm consistently out there as somebody who has like sort of out there takes on things, and most of the time I'm wrong. And like this time I may feel like I'm right, right? So I, I feel like some of these things that I thought were coming down the line, like are starting to come to fruition. And like, let's look at this formation. Let's just, let's just look at the roster and look at this formation. Let's look at a 4-3-3 system that we've always played. And let's look at this formation. And then let's look at the players that this formation makes better. Firmino, Carvalho, mm -hmm. Harvey, Oxlade-Chamberlain, all in the 10. A great okay? opportunity for him. Great opportunity for him, all in the 10. In the six, I think it makes Thiago better. I think it makes Henderson better. I think it makes Milner better. On the left, I'd argue it makes Diaz better. He's a naturally wide left winger. He's always played wide. He's not an introverted winger. We saw him want to come in and shoot with our system, but he has always consistently wanted to hug that touchline and play like a traditional wide left mid. Okay? So, like, I mean, we're looking at eight players it makes better. And I think this is all made possible by the fact that we've got the personnel for it. But I think one thing that can't be understated in like me and Galley are big on this. I mean, we're fuck, we've been flying the banner for a while now. I think a lot of this is made possible by the rise of Kanate on the right side. I think Kanate is an absolute monster and he's a baby. And Virgil quotes this, I think it was this last week, was saying like, the fact that he is this good at this age is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that he makes a lot of this possible. I think when I look at this, the thing that I'm the most excited about is the relationship between Firmino and Carvalho. Because I think that Firmino's mind, and this is like another Klopp quote, he said there's going to be books written about the way that Firmino has redefined the nine role. And I think that if he can, like, I if I were Klopp, I would essentially be, I would group, you know, it's not uncommon for clubs to be grouped into pods during preseason. I would have Firmino and Carvalho rooming together. And I would be like, look, dude, your, your goal is just, just talk to him for at least eight hours a day. Like, I want you to be his annoying little brother. I want you to like ask him questions and get everything you can. Because I think that I think that they have a lot of similarities in the way that they see the game. And if Carvalho can buy into the way that Firmino drops into the mids and sees space, that is another like you know, Firmino is my this has been like not um a secret. He's my favorite player, maybe to ever play for Liverpool. Um I came through in, in my early years in the amateur ranks as a striker. And I think a lot of what he does is so phenomenal because it's so unconventional. 
And I think if, if Carvalho can learn those things and apply that to his game, he can be a unicorn just like Firmino is. You don't find those players out there. And I think there's so many weird intangibles in their games that like have a lot of similarities. I don't think that that's like a coincidence. I think that we saw that and we're like, dude, we, we like, if anyone's going to have a chance of, of, of passing that torch between Firmino and another player, it's going to be this guy. Um, and so that's what I'm sort of most important, like most excited about with the four, two, three, one. And I, I, I realize that's a bit of a tangent. Thank you all for bringing with me um, and coming to my Ted talk. That was a Ted talk. Um, yep. Okay. So <laughs> a lot there to unpack. Sorry. Not really like, you know, initially, I think when we signed them, at least my hope was Taki to be able to duplicate. But I think we kind of underestimate how much physical work and strength it takes to do what Bobby does in that role. Because it's a lot of running and it's a lot of, you know, like a strength. You, you don't want to just it's not just running and pressing. It's also about holding the ball when needed, creating space and all that kinds of stuff. So. Not a lot of players can do it. Let's hope, you know, Carvalho is that guy that can kind of be like the successor because it is a very key role. I mean, another thing in this formation, I guess this is kind of like my main worry when I look at depth, is you kind of want your wingers, kind of like what, you know, Victor was saying in his TED Talk, uh, being able to go wide and use their speed. So speed is important on like the outsides. Uh, so you have Diaz on one side, obviously Mo on the other side. My only concern, and I want to know what you think, Gally, is maybe perhaps the lack of speed behind those guys. Because when you talk about, you know, perhaps maybe Elliot being able to play there, Jota being able to play on the left, it feels like it's a huge drop in pace. Sure. Uh, I would absolutely agree. I mean, Jota was our cover for Mane last year to start the season and, you know, no one was clamoring then. I, 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 I think the job gets changed when you move players in. Would I have liked to have seen them sign an attacking winger with pace? <clears throat> Jared Bowen? Yes. I've basically been asking for it for multiple years. Um, but uh, he would have been a great addition then and be even smarter addition now, except for it cost too much money. I, I think they looked at players like that. I think they're a little bullish on Kai Gordon. I think he's still at least a year away. And I, I'd love to see him go out on loan, you know, a Harvey like loan to the championship and get meaningful minutes. Cause I think then he comes back a guy who can actually be Mo's cover next year and the year after maybe even the successor someday, if he lives up to the hype, but I think, Kag will get some minutes in the League Cup and in the other leagues. I do think we'll see Carvalho a little bit out on the wing. Um, I don't love him there, but I think he will play there to both get him minutes. And I do think we're going to see, to Jamie's point earlier, I think we're going to see a lot of the 4-3-3 early in the season as Nunez gets bedded in, as Carvalho gets bedded in. So I don't know if I'm as worried, but I do think both left wing and right wing cover has to be things that are – key components and windows to come because i don't know that those like made um replacements are there and i worry that you know and everybody knows this you know i'll always find a way to slag off jones for something but i worry that jones is the answer because if jones is the answer at right or left wing cover i think we've taken a huge step back and a drop off uh, in the levels that are required to compete at the top level that we want 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, you're right in terms of like, you know, worrying about that. And that's my job, by the way. I'm the one who worries. And yeah, I mean, that's in terms of, I mean, you know, I was referring to the pace and obviously you're kind of like taking a drop now. He's good on the ball, but obviously he doesn't have that pace. Is that a concern for you, Bickler, uh, that we, you know, the guys behind the starters in those wide positions? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been pretty vocal about the fact that I think we've been right like super short on wide right attacking options for a while. I mean, if we look at all the players that we kind of end up playing in attacking positions out of position, they all end up on the left side, whether it's Joda uh, on occasion for Mino, uh, you know, like any of these players that we end up playing up top end up on the left side. Um, And part of that's just the fact that like, Mo doesn't ever want to miss a match and like Klopp doesn't ever want to have that like conversation with him. But like <laughs> at some point there has to be some, I, I, I agree. I think even our left-sided attacking options, I don't love Jota there. I mean, I know that I know that Jota played there, right? Like I, like when with Wolves, he played out there, but I also think he played a lot of that sort of left-sided attacking role off of uh, Jimenez. And it was more of like a second striker role than it was like an actual winger role. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I think that Curtis Jones, I love Curtis Jones um, as, like, a kid. I hate the fact that he's spent the greater majority of 18 months trying to replicate that shot that he hit, um, bending off that left wing into the right corner, right? Um, and I think that, like, he struggles with his defensive assignments, um, and I think ultimately, like, I think ultimately he'll probably get sold to a team that's like a mid-table team and be a great player. I, I'm not sold that he's the future at Liverpool. Um, and I hate that because he's a scouser and he's a good kid. But, like, I do agree, and not to get ahead of myself, but on the on the general point, I do agree that he's a dramatic step back on both wings. And that's kind of like what the odd thing is in terms of this, like, lineup is I feel like we have – I mean, you – including Ox, if he's still here and sounds like he will be. I mean, that's a lot of names who can play in the middle, but I don't know if there's going to be some kind of a variation of how we play this formation to be able to allow. I feel probably the most confident out of the names I named in terms of Elliot's being able to play wide. Uh, in terms of wide right, yep. inside. yeah, mm-hmm. wide right. Uh, and Jota, I mean, we've seen him play on the left. I don't love him on the left. Uh, but obviously in the past, I was okay with him on the, being on the left because I thought it opened, you know, created a space for like Bobby in the middle and stuff like that. And I thought a couple of times they played together, that was a good combination. But uh, so obviously if we're going to switch to this, uh, Jamie was talking about it earlier in terms of, you know, like having a preseason to sort this out. Tomorrow in the crack of dawn, when we watch them take on United, uh, do you kind of expect to start seeing this lineup or is that going to be something we see one half and then one half for some extra flavor? Let's give this a shot. What do you think, Gally? I think it's going to depend on who the personnel is that he rolls out. If he rolls out half of his first 11 and a few kids and a few fringe players, I think he'll send people out in a 4-3-3 to let them get out there and kick a ball and have success. I don't think in the first uh, first preseason friendly, we're going to see 4-2-3-1 deployed from the beginning and then play 90 minutes of it because that's almost like a way to give United like a cha- a shot in the arm to be like, you come play the style you've been trying to play well, I mean, which is just hot mess garbage. Um, 
But I, I just don't see that. That's not Klopp's style. He sets people up in ways to succeed. So what I expect is I expect a 4-3-3 mix of veteran players, um, all players that have been here before. I expect them to then alter that formation as we see the introduction of Carvalho, as we see the introduction maybe of either a Jota or a Bobby. Like I think that we'll see it as the new players come on, you know, it sounds like Nunez probably won't play because of the blister uh, that he had today. If he had played, I would have saw it when he came on. That's kind of where I think you'll see it. And I think you're going to see that throughout the entire preseason. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't start one of these preseason matches in a four, two, three, one formation. So it could, could it be all just, you know, we were talking about being in misdirection, Paul. Maybe it is just misdirection. He doesn't even think he'll ever play 4-2-3-1 and we're going to kind of like trot out our usual 4-3-3 that can occasionally be tweaked. Maybe if we're chasing a game, because I really think, you know, if you have that three with Nunez or, you know, whether it's like Jota in front of him as the, like, you know, this actual striker, you could even, you know, slide more there if you want, I guess. But we just talked about nobody being able to play that right wing if you take Mo to the middle. And I th really think it helps Trent and Robo get up there more to be able to cover it. But having said that, if you're playing that 4-2-3-1 formation to chase a game, isn't that going to be really dangerous if a guy like Thiago, for example, or Keita is one of those two? The only people I trust when we're going all out and pushing Robo and Trent up top and you have the three in front of you, it's probably just Hando and Fab in terms of like positional discipline. Well, yes. And I think that's great for Henderson because I think it's a lot less demanding for him. And I think it's a position where he sees more of the field, even more of a vocal leader. And I think it allows Fabinho to go further up and rip shots, which is what Klopp's wants, wants him to do. Um, I think any successful transition is gradual. I agree with Galley. I don't think we're going to see a straight 4-2-3-1 across the board right out of the gate. My suspicion is, is that we're going to see a 4-3-3 versus the big boys. For City, Tottenham, Chelsea, those types of matches, I think we'll see that old 4-3-3. I think we'll see a 4-2-3-1 versus lesser points. Players, that, like opponents that play more open against us. I think the Brentfords, the Leeds, those types of teams, I think we're going to see a 4-2-3-1. And I think that will it will be – I mean, Klopp's very open about the fact that he's on a case-by-case -case basis, and that's not something that I think that he's doing a misdirect on. I think that's just smart coaching. And I think he's going to take it on a case-by-case -case basis, an opponent-by-opponent, -opponent, uh, a match-by-match -match basis. And I think that this 4-2-3-1 allows him – to get the best out of aging players and get some rotation on board too. How about you, Galia? Do you, what do you look for tomorrow? I mean, when we go out there, I don't think you can read it too much into formations and stuff. It's probably a lot more about who's more ready and who he wants to see playing with who and stuff like that. But what will be one thing that you're watching for? I mean, obviously I'm excited to see the new players and how they are assimilating with the squad. You know, I, I really am excited to see Carvalho because I watched, you know, I as a lot of you know, I'm a real big loser and I don't have much of a life. I watch a lot of football and I watched a ton of the championship last year. And I'd argue that Fulham might have been the third or fourth most exciting side in all of England. 
to watch behind Liverpool City and maybe second half Spurs last year at times. Fulham was that good, scoring 100-plus goals. And he was involved in everything great they did. Mitrovic got all the plaudits for setting all the records. And Carvalho pulled all the strings. And he did it in a very, very intricate and special way. Like, he has, like, touch like Suarez had. Like, he makes movements in small spaces outside of the box. Like, you know, you know when you watch the 20-minute highlight reels – and sometimes you're like, okay, that's enough, like one touch passing outside of the box. Can I see a goal or an assist here? And you just get that like annoying YouTube over, you know, overdue with the audio. Um, not our channel, people. Our channel is amazing on YouTube. I was going to say, note to self. Cut the um, audio. Ours is just us swinging and missing on trivia. Yeah, exactly. It's just us losers all day talking about size and matters. But the Size of um, the music matters. Go ahead. It is. It is size of the music. But what this kid did. At least I we got the title it. for the pod. We sure do. We could we could literally we could literally I could literally watch his intricate touches around the box all day long. Like some of the through balls he played, um, some of the goals that Harry Wilson scored were literally just put on a plate by this kid, drawing four or five defenders into him and then picking the perfect pass, having it weighted. And I just think when this kid and Mo figure out how to play together, we are honestly going to see something really, really special. And, you know, Nunez has never played with anyone probably as actually gifted and as talented as this kid off of the ball. And I just, I'm, I'm so excited to see what he's going to do. Um, and I'm just really excited to see all the players back, but it, it's Carvalho for me. I agree. I think that's one player that's, like you said, we're assuming Nunez is not going to be there. I kind of want to see some of these guys out there with other... I was very interested to see the future of Elliot, Trent, Salah combination on the right-hand side. When we were doing the 4-3-3, I was like, man, this could be something that's years to come, especially now that we signed more to an extension. Um, how about you, Paul? Like, What are you looking forward to? Apart from finally seeing the boys out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting one. What happens with Harvey, right? He's, he lit the world on fire on that right side of the midfield with a very interesting combination between Mo and Trent. So I think tracking Harvey will be interesting in, in how we use him. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think Carvalho like has th- flown under the radar. We signed him sort of like before the window. He got a, like Nunez got announced, and then we waited a couple days because we wanted to announce him. Where like we didn't have the Nunez distraction, and that kind of like got released to like less fanfare. But like I agree with Galley, man. I watched a lot of championship football because I have ESPN Plus, and like also when I don't have my kids, don't I just am essentially a potato um, and like watched a lot of championship football and like he's a special talent. And I think like, I think in a lot of ways he may be a more important piece than Nunez ends up being. And that, and that seems weird to say And like no disrespect to Nunez. I think Nunez is, is going to be capable of incredible heights, but I, I just think the skill set that Carvalho has is a very, very unique skill set that you don't often find. And in and, and saying that Nunez is a very unconventional, unique striker. And so I think like, 
how fucking exciting is this team and how exciting is it to follow this team where we have a generational talent in Mo Salah on the right, a talent that we brought in that nobody knew was going to catch the league on fire like it is Luis Diaz, who essentially dragged us over the line last year. He was the best player on that entire side for the greater part of two months. The best signing in Jota, which came off the Wolves, who is a forgotten man, he was essentially the league's best signing two months after we got him. And we've got an aging Bobby, and then we've got two generational talents in Nunez and Carvalho. We've got two of the best fullbacks in the world. We've got possibly the best center back depth in the entire, like in the entire, out of all the power five leagues. When you look at your fourth best center back being Joe Gomez, you've got a world-class keeper. Now, I mean, it's just a super, like, it's ridiculous. And I don't under, I don't think that a lot of casual fans understand how incredibly spoiled we are as supporters right now. So when you ask what's the most exciting thing, it's very hard to pick. I, Carvalho is probably the pick because it's very unconventional and very hard to predict what's going to happen with that. Um, but I think just because like I love Firmino so much and I see so much of Firmino's game in him, that's probably my pick. By the way, thanks to Paul, I have ESPN Plus too, and I watch a lot of it. So I'll, I'll just I'm just gonna leave it. Sign at that. in, buddy. Uh, BJ says size matters, Sharing. but is fifty too big? And by the way, it is confirmed. America's it's right. No, it's TV the right answer. Is always reliable with their trivia questions. And yeah, since 1992, when it started, it has been 50 teams. That's uh, wild. 48 in England, two from Wales. That may be the best question we've ever had. It's starting it out with a bang. Um, so preseason, how much of an importance do you give Galley to scores, to play. I know sometimes the team that wins the preseason sucks in the season and vice versa. I mean, I'm personally more looking for players and more like relationships between players. That's why I'm hoping there's a mix of some of these guys and stuff. But uh, so you don't care about the score. Um, what do you care about? Just staying healthy? I, I care about injury. I care about continuity and I care about seeing progression. And if there's one thing that I'm never worried about with the Jurgen Klopp side is that they're training hard and that they're training well. And if we've seen anything, I think the most important thing is that they're on the road again together as a squad. It's the first tour that they've done since 2019. I know Klopp's must have talked about that about eight different times, how, how much they, that they, take from these tours through the Middle East, how much they take these tours through, you know, America when they come here, both the camaraderie that it creates. And then more importantly, the energy that they get when they meet the supporters across the world and anybody who saw the signs of, I think it was what 25,000 people the first day showed up for their open forum of practice you get 25,000 people in Bangkok showing up to watch people practice. That just shows the depth and like the importance of this club. And I think that permeates through the players. So for me, it's about health. It's about the continuity and seeing the new players fit in. And, you know, Paul mentioned Gomez. That would be something I'd say, if you ask me one existing player, I'm excited. 
I'm excited to see Joe Gomez this preseason because he signed that extension because he believes he can win himself back in. After me and Paul have been telling everybody who will listen to this podcast that Kanate might be the future of the back line, let alone the future partner for Van Dyke. And I genuinely think we're going to see a lot of Kanate and Gomez at times this year as a pairing. I think this is the year Virgil actually gets a break that allows him to be world-class for three or four more extra seasons. And I don't think he'll start every match available to him like he has. And I'm really excited to see Gomez get back. And I know all the Matip lovers out there are probably like, Gally, this is what you do. You just write guys off. I'm not writing them off, but you can't love everybody. And I think that right now I'm loving me a little Joe Gomez because ultimately he put his money where his mouth is. What I'm always asking players to do, go sign a contract somewhere else and get your career on or sign it here and tell me you're going to fight and win your job back. And Gomez basically dropped the hammer this week and said, As a one ball- of these two jobs is move. mine. That's a yeah. very ballsy move. It is a ballsy move. But I mean, like I said, we don't know the conversations. We don't know. Uh, what role he's going to actually play. I really think, I mean, we should, if we're not gonna, we should definitely rotate Van Dyke more and not run him into the ground and force like a muscle injury or something like that after all the games he's had. And that's what's odd. Alan says, are you, I really saying that Carvalho and Elliot could rescue Liverpool season post the world cup. And that's another thing I think, man, when I look at this team, that this rescue. is what I find really odd as we get like geared up for the season. We actually ended up. I look at like the enthusiasm and the excitement that fans have. Obviously, part of it is you know they're finally back, but you know, you look at the offseason. If you think about it, we lost a player like Mane, who could have you know easily won player of the year and all that kinds of like awards and stuff like that. But yet, normally, when you lose a player like that, I feel like there will be more worry. But instead, I feel like a lot more optimism from the fans more than anything else. I think Nunez's transfer helps that, uh, whether it's just because of like the price tag that, you know, we did the investment in that sense. But, you know, all these players we're listing, Carvalho, Elliot, uh, I mean, Bobby coming back, speaking of people being written off too fast by Galley, poor Bobby is going to be back. I'm really, I mean, in terms of players talking about, you know, like his is Gomez, because, you know, he probably wrote Gomez up six months ago, mind you. But, <laughs> but no, I, I told I, you that he should have asked for a transfer in January. I, yeah, we did talk about that, actually. That Because, I mean, in terms of career wise, if, you know, if I'm his older brother, that's probably what I would have suggested. I, I, I think that's fair. Um, in terms of players that I'm excited to see coming back and see how they have changed, Bobby is one, obviously. Mr. Great Opportunity Ox is another oh. one because that will be the other person that's, you <laughs> so, know, when you guys about, Ox, I know with his wages, it's not as ballsy, but it'll be interesting to see because that middle role suits him very well as well i don't know he yo if ox that. is a company you would definitely own stock 100 definitely own stock hey you you're like what? the dude who the stock is taking and you're like dude i could pull up oh man <laughs> i'm not selling now yeah it's only a loss when you sell it <laughs> ox ox literally could be sitting about three four rows behind paul's left shoulder that's where Ox will probably be in the first home match of the season. And to be honest, Klopp made that comment today. I love that guy. 
But, you know, that's almost too like sometimes I wonder if these digs he sends out there like, hey, you know, we might dip back into the market if if we have a need. And who knows? There could be some outgoings if one of these boys tells me they want to go, but nobody's told me they want to. If you don't think that's basically him just saying to Ox, like, hey, Ox, when are you going to take an opportunity somewhere else? There's a big opportunity for you to not be here because I love the guy. But I just don't see on any depth chart where he isn't honestly the last at every single position that he would slot into today. It could change. No, no, I, I would agree to that. That's why, in some ways, I'm interested. Hold on, I'm texting Gerard real quick. Yeah, see. Do you guys think... need a central attacking midfielder? Oh no, you so continue. He can play right wing. <laughs> can he play right wing? Like... Can that be I a mean, role for him? For Villa, I think he could. <laughs> Damn, Ox. He couldn't. He couldn't I mean, play right wing for Arsenal. Wages. I mean, I definitely see that. I mean, not all right wings are created around. equally. To be fair, what I was mean, that? I, I said not all right wings are created equally. To be fair, I think he could pull that. I think he could pull it off at Villa. They play a lot more compact than we do. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing I don't see him as wide. Uh, in that role, he's gonna keep like running towards the middle. And like I say, I guess my thing is more optimism that if we're stuck with him, his contract and his wages, let's hope at least let the guy hope and he comes back, you know, a different player and kind of like earns those wages because otherwise, I think we're kind of stuck with him either way. So I guess I'm trying to be an optimist. I'm trying to be a freaking optimist. It's preseason. Look at don't, you. Don't already come a long way. Down, damn it. You've changed, man. Not really. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> this, this is my preseason <laughs> mode. <laughs> Once the season starts, I'll go back to my pessimistic and worrying self. Um I don't even know if we want to do a score updates, a score a prediction or anything like that. But um just for shits and giggles galley. What do you expect tomorrow? Give me a score. I'll give you a score. I will say 4-2 to the good guys, but it'll be more lopsided than that. I think United will get one late. You know what will happen, right? Some young kid's going to score a worldie for United, then we're going to have to listen to United fans pound their chest and talk about some kid they didn't even know the name of who will never get another shot on the side. Um, I just can't wait to watch them implode, to be honest. Part of watching tomorrow is going to be watching the body language of a group of players who all hate each other, starting out hating a new manager. It's just amazing the rot that is United. So for me, it's kind of laugh at United and just enjoy the fact that the guys are back on the pitch and knowing that they're having more fun on their bike rides and in training than they are in this match. And I think that what preseason's all about for me is just building something special that I think other clubs envy us for. Yeah, they just announced Maguire as the captain again, too. So that's already shaking the entire United world. So good times. Good times are ahead. How about you, Bickler? Give me a prediction. Oh, God. I mean, it's tough since Ronaldo's not for sale. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go three. I'll go three, one good guys. Um yeah, that's the prediction from the leather chair. 3-1. I go 3-2. I was going to go 2-2, but I think we get one towards the end. Uh, I, I really feel like our depth will show tomorrow. There's so many names that I'm excited to see, so it will definitely be 
worth getting up for just to see the boys back in action. And gentlemen, yes, that's going to be an interesting episode when we do the Premier League show and preview Manchester United. We might have to dedicate an episode just for that and just like just laugh all the way to the bank. But if you have not already, run over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, American Scouser, uh, with American Scouser TV starting today after this podcast. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff lined up for this week. On Actually, we have a fantasy show coming up as well with Mr. Fantasy over here. Jamie says, ASTV live on YouTube. Uh, most shows are going to be live. Uh, our podcasts are going to be live, but some of the other shows are going to be recorded because people can only take so much of us being live, I would think. But going back to the fantasy expert, Galley, what kind of secrets are you looking to share with people once we start doing these fantasy shows? So we're going to start We're gonna start out this week with kind of more of a, a roundabout about what fantasy football is, fantasy soccer, how it works, kind of equate it to some of the Americanized fantasy sports take that from the view of a new person. Um, as we lead up to the season, we're going to have specific shows where we talk about uh, tactics around building a squad, different ways that people go about it. We're going to make sure and highlight some of the rule changes this year that are coming into play, as well as um, breaking down the chips, you know, the wild cards, the bench boost, the free hits. Um, and then, introduce some of the changes that are being announced like the fact that they're giving everyone a free wild card because every team will have unlimited transfers the week coming out of the world cup so it'll be a little bit of strategy a little bit of tactics we'll have some players to watch fixture changes so hopefully uh we'll get some of our viewers to submit their lineups to us and um we'll critique them most likely it means we'll just rip the shit out of them uh and then the next week we'll be made to look like fools when they outscore my team which is basically what my wife did every week all year long actually i was gonna say that because i'm sure like bickler who's uh, mr on fantasy if you will uh over the he's already <laughs> jamie said bickler already has checked out mentally once we started talking fantasy uh but i think what everybody wants to know is oh bickler is giving everybody his leather chair story actually uh, first off I felt like the, wants... the, in the comment section the leather chair needed its own little like story so i felt like i yeah, deserved it anyway sorry yes fantasy. By the way, i was going to say this but now everybody in the comment section is asking to um because i'm sure bickler and i are interested to are we going to have access to the brilliant mind of kelly on these shows to get some yes. you know solid tips tips we can yes, actually yes. use dude no sure. like <laughs> what I like i lose my insider access i have weekly calls with kelly now everybody gets it that's bullshit I was going to say, Paul Paul didn't want anyone to realize how he made that meteoric rise up the leaderboard. But for all the people out there okay, that cats out of the bag this, now, with all the people out there that are commenting with this, Bickler's not paying attention. Bickler can't handle this. I log in to fill out my roster today so I can set up the new tournament. And who's the first name already in the league? Paul Bickler. Paul Bickler already has a team, picked his squad, and registered for the season. So he oh prepared, man, I feel so he seen. Building like it is the the, the the shit is out the bag, people. The curtain. What Galley is saying is that it's a pretty fucking good team too. What it, have you become, Bickler? Will. What have you become? We never expected team name. Oh, that's really opening the the 
God, we don't want to even get into the team name, do we? I feel like we've been over this. Yes, it's the same as last year. Drama? Yes, it's his favorite name. Talk about unnecessary pet drama because I had some even more pet drama uh, (laughs) this week when I was there. I know because I was just on that vacation where the unnecessary pet drama started from, and we had the unnecessary pet drama, and then we had other pet drama that was still unnecessary, uh, but totally different. Well, gentlemen, thanks again, and thank you everybody for joining. Head over to YouTube, subscribe. Send to your friends. Give us a comment. Give us a like. It all goes a long way and definitely adds. Uh, thank you for your support uh, so far for the podcast. And hopefully we will be able to do a lot more for you on American Scouser TV. Thanks a lot, everybody. See you guys next week.